Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi everyone, you're about to hear our very first live show which we recorded at the Toff in town in Melbourne on the 30th of August for Father's Day. It was so long that you'll be hearing part one this week and part two next week. It's full of new cases and it was an incredible time thanks to the sold out crowd who made it the best night ever. But here's the big news. We are doing a live show in Sydney, I'm not kidding, on the 11th of October at Giant Dwarf in Surrey Hills, we'll be doing our second ever live show. It's going to be absolutely packed with amazing new cases, some in-depth analysis of cases from the book, and a story that we'll be doing off the record. That's right, you will actually have to come along to hear it because it won't be going in the podcast. Otherwise, we'll get in trouble. And this one is selling out extremely fast. I am not kidding. Heaps of people actually missed out on the Melbourne show because tickets got snapped up almost straight away so run don't walk run over to giantdwarf.com.au or to the loose units facebook page or just google loose units live in sydney and book now it's going to be the ultimate loose units experience oh and there's a limited number of special tickets we'll be selling where a physical copy of the book is included too and we'll be selling copies on the night and signing them and taking photos anyway don't miss loose units live in sydney on the 11th of october and if you want to hear what a live loose units episode is like please enjoy part one of loose units live in melbourne when i was a kid my dad was a cop you see my dad was a cop in the 1980s in sydney which has been widely regarded as one of the most dangerous times to be a police officer in australia it was basically the wild west so i wrote a book about it It was called Loose Units, and then we did a podcast about it. Loose Units Season 1 was an incredible experience, and we loved every minute of it. But it turns out that Dad did more than just patrol the streets. He plunged headfirst into the terrifying world of forensics. So on this season of Loose Units, that's what we're doing. We're going deep into the world of forensics and fingerprints and all of that good stuff. Well, I say good stuff, actually things got worse than ever. So strap in for Loose Unit Season 2, Electric Blue. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us at the top. I hope you all enjoy Loose Units Live. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Before we start, I'd like to ask my dad uh, to do the real official intro. And as per usual, he didn't want to look at this script beforehand or do a rehearsal. So good job, Dad. So uh, take it away, Dad. Hi, everyone. (laughs) So uh, in 2018, Paul released Loose Units, the book. A few months later, he and his dad 
launched their top-rating podcast that, quote, has changed lives, in brackets, may not be a real quote, don't look it up. <laughs> now it's time for John and Paul to take things to the top shelf. You've read their adventures, you've listened to them on your way to work, while jogging or on the toilet. <laughs> don't act like you haven't. We are, you know, you use, what's this, we? <laughs> Shit, the wheels are falling off very fast. Just go, no, just go, just go from there. You've seen them in really terrible photoshopped photos on Facebook, and now for the first time ever, you're going to see them live on stage. Please bang your hands together and cheer for your favorite loose units, Paul Verhoeven and John Verhoeven. Oh my god. When we heard all these people filing in, I think both of our anuses just sucked shut. <laughs> yes, well look, um, I'll, I'll loosen up as time goes, uh, as we move through this, but, you know, <laughs> Paul, I mean, I'm not used to seeing so many people, because it's certainly not like this in the studio. No, it's not. Although it could be, for, there could be a two-way mirror, so, mm, mm. you know. So it's possible that we're actually in the studio, and it's this is... This is just sort of a fucking... Hallucination, you know. yeah. Now, there was a gas leak and we're just seeing things. Seriously, thank you so much for coming to the very first live episode of Loose Units, the podcast. Please, give it up. Wow, I just... I'm, 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 you know, you're all very fortunate that we're doing this in Melbourne because I would not do this in Sydney because it's too close to the bone. Yeah, plus uh, we were interested in doing it inside the old uh, North Sydney Police Station building where Dad actually did his policing. Uh, and Dad's revealed that some of the people that he talks about quite badly in the show and the book are still alive and <laughs> have a vengeance in their hearts. So I think it's great that we're doing it in Melbourne. We actually did the book launch for Loose Units, the book here, just over a year ago. And let me tell you something, I wish you'd all been there then. <laughs> Because this is a full room. It's um, look. I'm just. I'm. I'm speechless. I'm. Uh, I'm just in awe that you you come tonight to listen to this. You know the, these stories. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, it's very important that you all realise that Paul has no idea what I'm going to talk about tonight, which is his sphincter at this point is oscillating. Yeah. Very hey, rapidly. Hey, let's talk about anuses less tonight, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so you know, it's we're going to go pretty deep. Um, you know, I read a little bit of the feedback on some of the uh, some of the posts, and it's not cool. I f I find to read the feedback because I, I don't react well to negativity. Yeah. You know, ninety nine point nine percent of the uh, feedback's really positive. Yeah, but what's funny is you can handle people throwing things at you and chasing you with guns, but the second someone says something mean on iTunes, mm, you I fall get really to depressed. pieces. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. It's yeah. really I know I get it. Mm. I get it. Um, well, this season we're talking about forensics. Uh, now, when I think forensics, I think a man with spectacles dragging a, a brigand's thumb across a stylus of ink. I, it doesn't seem high-octane to me at all. Uh, and you'd done general duties, as outlined in the book and the mm. first season of the show. Mm. So I guess what I wanted to ask you uh, tonight was, what was the case you saw that was forensics-leaning like on general duties that won you over and made you think, I have to, I have to do that? Okay, well, look, uh, I... I guess some people are saying, look, we don't want warnings, so we'll, we'll, we'll fuck the warnings off, so we'll just get right into it. So don't come up to me later and go, fuck, man, that was pretty 
pretty insane. It was heavy, but because it's you know that's I don't sort of. <laughs> I'm going to go deep. That's all I can say. You know what's funny is he was saying like nothing backstage, pacing around no, like that's a right. monk. And Paul was sort of, you know, saying, "How are you, Dad? We've been out there for 38 minutes. A long time. And it's like just, longer than an episode the longest, of the show. The longest time. And I've just been, you know, there are no seats behind, just standing there, pacing, trying to make one beer last a long time. And uh, you know, it's uh, it's been pretty full on. So let me just say before we get into this that there are two types of police probably in the world. There are the good cops and the bad cops. I was a fucking good cop. Now, define a good cop. Well, eight of my colleagues, you may or may not, may or may not know, went to jail, OK, for corruption. And at a certain point in my career, I decided to pull the pin on the police force. Paul's mm. giving me that weird look like, Dad, what the fuck are you talking about? Well, I didn't know it's, I want to set. I want to set the stage. Sure. So when I was 17, I had to go to the toilet off a main street in Sydney. So I sneaked in... And it used to be an offence to, to, to go to the toilet in public in yeah. Sydney mm. under the Crimes Act. And I was having a leak against a wall and two huge police tapped me on the shoulder and it turns out that they were really, really nice guys. And they sort of cautioned me and said, this is what could have happened. We could have taken you back to the cells and beat the shit out of you, but we're going to just let you go. So that was, that was my sort of foray into good cops. But then the bad cops were the ones, and we've all had encounters, good, bad, and I just decided when I joined the police force that I could do so much good by being a really decent, fair person, mm. which I was. I let a lot of people go, and in this day and age, letting people go for the things that they did, you'd be sort of, well, you'd be sacked because it would be sort of felt that um, you'd, you'd taken a bribe. Sure. Um, so, but... It's, it, I think it's in the book where there were four law students one night on a main road and they had this mull bowl full of, full of dope and we pulled them over and I just thought to myself, you know, these are young guys, they're all at uni, they're studying law. If we take them back to the station, they'll never be able to practice law again. So I decided to, on a main road in Sydney on a warm summer's night, I got the bowl and I just threw it up into the air and it all blew away and I just said, guys, you know... Go. I think helping lawyers makes you the bad guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, there's a lawyer there. I love lawyers. Um, so the, the, the story in the police force, I, I joined the police force when I was um, 20. I weighed 76 kilos and I had this ill-fitting uniform. And in those days, they didn't believe it was appropriate for the public to see your firearms. So you had these weird... Jacket. So in, in an emergency when you actually needed to pull your gun, mm. you couldn't get to it for all the, the crap that you're wearing. Yeah, yeah. And then when you managed to find it, it was holstered in this weird... So in other words, what would happen is that you'd be long dead by the time you, in theory, could have got to your firearm. It sounds like you're wearing jodhpurs at this point. Mm. Like, what are those, those old uniforms, high-waisted pants, jackets? Like, I mean, cops now look like they're ready for riots. The, the police these days, in Sydney at least, make the Wolfen SS look pretty tame. Uh, you know, jackboots and pretty scary. And yeah. In fact, I don't even know how they get around. They're wearing so much gear. Right. Anyway, back to the story about it was an event in the early 1980s and I'll, I'll give you a bit of a rundown on what happened. It happened in Wollongong and there was a young girl. She was 19 and she was innocent and she went to a... Uh, a nightclub mm. with, with some girlfriends, and there was a guy there, and some of you may or may not know the story, but it was his Bucks night, 
and he somehow managed to um, sort of seduce her into coming back to his apartment. And the night unfolded where he got a rolling pin and he stoved her head in. He left her uh, in the bath. He then went back and partied, came back. The body was still there. Wait, sorry, on his bucks night? Yeah, on his bucks night. As a footnote to this particular ghastly story, he still got married to the lady... She knew what had transpired, which I'm now going to elaborate on. She knew? <clears throat> yeah. So when he came back to his apartment, she was still alive and he then got the rolling pin and continued to bash her. He then strangled her. Now what happens is when you are strangled, little blood vessels behind your teeth explode and they turn a funny pink colour. So in post-mortem you can actually look and see if the person was strangled. Mm. He then had a bit of a problem. He had to get rid of the body. So what he did, he removed her head. And so Paul hasn't heard these stories, so that's part of Paul's reaction. I can always see. (laughs) I I have almost thrown up three times during the recording of the show, and now it's four. Mm. So he removed her head because he felt that Obviously, if the head was connected to the body, you could identify the girl. He then thought to himself, shit, what about the fingerprints? So what he did, he had a hacksaw, so he cut and hacksawed off every finger. And later on in this story, you'll realise how forensic evidence, um, in the, when we were giving evidence in the, uh, in the courts, we... We figured out exactly what he did. So he cut through the bone, but the last bit of bone he then snapped and he did that for all the fingers. But he left the palm prints. Now, you don't categorise palm prints, and we'll come to that later. He then had the head, had the fingers, had the murder weapon and had the torso. In the wee hours of that Sunday morning, he got her body, he wrapped it up in a blanket got it into his car. He, he was a local. This is south of Sydney and Wollongong. He then drove to a very well-known cliff where people used to throw rubbish over and he threw the torso hundreds of feet down this cliff. He then drove away. He had the bag... Sorry, he had the head in a plastic bag. He then threw the plastic bag with the head in it into the bush and then he went back... And the story unfolds and they arrest him. But what happens is that on Sunday morning, this guy backed his ute into this sort of cliff area and as he's looking down hundreds of feet, he could see what he thought was a mannequin. He thought it was a mannequin because it was headless. And then he sort of started to observe it and he realised that it was actually a headless body. And the police were brought in. They retrieved the headless body... Minus the head, obviously. Minus fingers. And they had to identify this girl. So because her fingers... This guy thought he was really smart taking the fingers off. What happened was the fingerprint technicians had to go to the houses of all the young girls on the south coast, go into all these poor parents, because there are lots of missing people at any given time, and they go into these uh, bedrooms of all these missing girls and they look at all their personal effects and they dust 
uh, with fingerprint powders, mm. all their, their sort of hair brushes and all their personal stuff. And eventually they identified this young girl. And then months later, and this is really quite surreal, so you can sort of get the feeling of it's an exciting story. It's, you know, I'm thinking to myself, shit, this is bloody, you know, fascinating. I'd really like to get involved in this side of policing. So imagine this. <clears throat> the body uh, has been found and this guy pulls up and he throws a stick into the bush for his dog to fetch and the dog comes back with a bag and inside that bag is the girl's head. Isn't that incredible? <laughs> now that story illustrates... Um, Hang on, where, where do the fingers go? I, I, I don't know. You... Well, the you fucking know, we fingers had a... have the fingerprints, which is the one thing I wanted no, no, from no, the story. We, we had the palms. Yeah, you had the palms. Ident- yeah, so we, we identified her through palm prints. Hey, hey uh, here's a, a side question. If you are um, a parent and you have a missing child and cops come in and start dusting for prints because they found a body, mm. does that not give them a certain sense of false hope? No, I, I don't think the police um, would be telling the family in so many words why they were there. You've got to tell them something, surely. You, you tell them something, but, I, you know... You, You've sort of got to tread very carefully. You know, yeah. policing should be, you know, very much sort of, you know, very sensitive and sort of aware of all the families because what happens if it's not their kid? And, you know, you're right, you give them false hope. And, mm. yeah, look, it's a tough gig. So I'm in general duties at North Sydney. You had to do two years of general duties and then you could apply to, uh, you know, to join various sections. And for those of you that have been listening to the podcast, I got involved in forensics, you know, sort of a relieve and assist position, and um, so started my foray into uh, the bazaar. All right. Um, yeah, well, uh, so, okay, so that's, that's a case that got you into forensics. Now you're in forensics. This season we've done, what is this, episode nine of the season? And obviously we've talked about some pretty weird stuff. Um, you said to me that you had a bit of a whodunit lined up for tonight's episode. Mm, it's a whodunit for everyone in the, in the room. Now, this is a story. You're, you're the first people to hear it. Um, it's one of those stories that's fascinating, as you will hear, and it's just lost in the annals of policing. Uh, it's never been written about, and it was one of those weird stories where, to this very day, I don't know what happened to this particular person or how they died. So I'm going to give you all the facts, and then you can... Now, I don't know, you know what happened in terms of... You can think about it, leave it to your imaginations, but there are clues, and the clues that you're going to hear tonight are the clues that presented themselves to me as a young forensics officer. So what happens if someone here tonight solves that crime? Well, I think that's relatively unlikely. Because because there are a few ways it could be solved. All right, so I'm going to just present the facts, Mm. and the facts are fascinating. Yeah. And here we go. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at MintMobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now this story, as I said to you a minute ago, you're the first people to hear it. I'm glad we're in Melbourne. Uh, it happened in a suburb in the north of Sydney. It was a weekday. And like any great story, the General Duties Police at least in Australia, they rock up to a scene, they see certain things, they back off because the detectives have to come in, then the detectives back off, they call forensics in because the crime scene, there's going to be evidence in that scene that is, it may appear to be insignificant, but it's crucial. Well, the thing is, Dad, in the book, your whole career when you were in general duties was built on ignoring that impulse and solving it yourself. Correct. So... (laughs) And I, so and what's the correct path? Are people laughing when I say the word correct? Is that sort of... Because I do say it a lot. And when I listen to myself, because I do listen to the podcast every Tuesday morning, I, I drive... <laughs> no, I do, I love it. <laughs> Nepotism. I'm, I'm, a... No, no, no. I'm driving my ute. I live in this city in the middle of Sydney and I drive to Manly, which is a, a beach suburb, and I soft sand run every morning. Mm. And the podcast goes live at 6am, so I get to listen to it all the way over. I mean, it sounds weird... Does it? But actually, no, I find it quite, quite exciting. Well, no, because... Um, I... Because I have early onset dementia, so I find it very difficult <laughs> to remember what I've said. Which means if, just... if any of this shit is live, like in court, we can just plead insanity, That's so right. it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so um, you mentioned it was a suburb in the north. Do you remember yep. which one? It was in Kirribilli. Kirribilli. Yep, which is a beautiful suburb um, on the harbour. Mm. And it happened, uh, wow, almost 40 years ago, so I'm 60 next birthday. Um, which I think is pretty... <laughs> whatever. Uh, no, 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 I, you know, don't clap. But, uh, look, you know, it seems like a hell of a... It's weird, isn't it? Time, it sort of stretches. Um, it's getting weird, Dad. Yep. Well, <laughs> thank... Yeah. So it was a multi-level apartment block and there was a... The, um, the corridors were outside. You know those ones where you've got, um, like, a long sort of... Um, 
uh, balcony and you've got multiple doors. Mm. So it's to the entrances to multiple apartments. Yeah. yeah. And now here's the first clue. Uh, well, it was about 10 in the morning and there was a dog box. You know those, those flaps for pets? So there was one of those. Now, I don't know whether I was the only person that thought that was interesting, but it turns out as time goes by that um, I, 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 I thought it was fairly significant. We go inside. Uh, we're the first police to go in. The, the general duties police didn't go inside and it was really surreal. Now, the first thing I saw on the ceiling of this apartment, it was a big apartment, it was very luxurious, were thousands and thousands of yellow-coloured droplets hanging from the ceiling. They hadn't dropped. They were just ready to... They had that sort of that sensation of wanting to come down, but they were all just there. Probably, I guess, maybe 10,000 of these sort of weird drops hanging down. Are you, the were, are you the first one walking into this room? Yeah, we're or? the first people to go in. Sure, OK. And how long have you been doing forensics at this point? Are you a veteran at this point? or <laughs> Veteran, God. No, 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 no. I'd been in it for, you know, prob probably less than a year. Oh, OK, OK. And I was still the junior man in, right. in forensics. So I'm just sort of, you know, just sort of tagging along, watching and seeing what, what, what the senior guys were doing. I'm pausing for effect. <laughs> you don't say that. No, you I just don't. do it. No, but I like to pause and I, I like to sort of state the bleeding obvious. So we go into the bedroom and uh, now you're all laughing at the moment, but whoa, we're about to go down. Um, there, there was a, uh, a dildo, a big dildo. Uh, well, you know, fucking big. And uh, Once you get past a certain point, it's just a dildo. And don't ask me how, how thick it was because my memory's a bit hazy, but... I recall seeing this, uh, this uh, you know, rubber phallus. It's fun hearing and, my dad um, say those words. Let me say something. I'm loosening up. Anyway, uh, <laughs> and it had a, uh, a mark, like a, a fluid mark. A fluid mark? To indicate that it had been what used recently. What colour was this it? This lady here is laughing very loudly. <laughs> is that our next piece of merch? This, this story, you're like, again, like... No, OK. I know that none of you know where this is going. Uh, so the, the bed was sort of uh, ruffled. Uh, there was the... the you can say it. You've said it for four minutes. The massive, you know, thingy, rubber thing on the bed. And it was pretty... It was fucked up. Like, I'm looking at it thinking, you know, this is... Anyway, we could hear the shower going. And we went around into the bathroom... Pulled the curtain open. There was a stool, not a stool, <laughs> the one you sit on. And uh, that'd be weird, wouldn't it? It was that mime <laughs> that really got yeah. me. Anyway, <laughs> so on top of the stool was a little TV, and underneath the TV was a little, uh, like a Super 8 film on a loop, and it was a porno playing and in the shower is a dead person with a douche bottle up his ass uh, okay yeah. and he's sitting cross-legged there's a douche like a one of those big rubber things up his you know freckle what, what's what's a douche for the for the well for it's, the... A, it's a device that uh <laughs> fuck <ball. laughs> 
It's like a... Yeah, everyone gets it. It's so, like a bagpipe for your jacksie. And, uh, but, you know, I'm, and I'm, I'm trying to see what the film is. <laughs> no, well, it was a Colour Climax Corporation film from Sweden. You know, porno. And it was pretty sort of uh, grainy. And, uh, but, you know, the thing is that... And the shower was still running. So we turned the shower off. And you've heard... Who in this room has heard my anal thermometer story? Yeah. Great. So guess what? <laughs> Muggins here had to get my thermometer and I had to, you know, do the... So I sort of licked it first. No, you fucking didn't. No, I didn't. No. Sorry. I mean, that's, that's the third foreign object that's been inside this man on that day. Yeah, anyway. Sorry, we... was, it, was, it a, was it was a man? It was a guy, yeah. Can you describe? He was... Wouldn't have been 40. He was deceased. Yeah. And um, that would have been awkward. <laughs> and... Uh, oh, guys, sorry. <laughs> yeah, so, but, no, but here's the thing. How did he die? What about those droplets on the ceiling? The, the, the flap. And then what I saw, I saw two... Scrape marks outside. Wait, was this Victor Tombs from the X-Files? It's a, it's a, it's a heavy, heavy story. Because, like, okay, so you seem to have no problem describing gore and dead bodies, but when it comes to, you know, anything, like, uh, sexual-related, uh, in, in, like, you, you seem to get a bit giggly. Well, yeah, but... You know, I'm not I'm, judging you. No, 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 but I am opposite my son. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it's... You know, it's just a bit funny. I mean, I can talk to the crowd here but, okay. um, very freely. But we have a very good relationship, you may have gathered. Um, may I digress for a sec? Oh, please. Um, <laughs> so my wife and myself, when we had our kids, we decided controversially that we'd have no curfews and no TV. And some of you may or may not know that. And it worked spectacularly well with Paul and his sister and then the youngest, Mark, who was... He was demanding, but he's, he's turned out well. Mm. Um, so we had this garage sale and the guy said, do you have a TV for sale? And I thought, yeah, there's one upstairs. So the kids were young, sitting there watching cartoons on a Saturday morning and I just went upstairs, pulled the plug out of the uh, wall. <laughs> True story. And I just... And that was it. We didn't have a TV for probably ten years and I'll tell you, it was, it was brilliant. For you... Because going into a, like a primary school situation and talking to your friends about what you saw the previous night is really easy if you saw what was on the previous night. Mm. I had to go into conversations pretending I'd seen the thing. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not bitter at all, so... No. But anyway, um, any thoughts? Well, I, I'm not going to sort of open it up to the crowd, but... You can't my, say my... any thoughts to the crowd and then say no, no opinions. No, but... Well, here's my take on it. My take is that he... It wasn't suicide. And it wasn't murder. It was euthanasia. That's my take. Hang on, why? I believe that some friends had a generator and they filled the apartment up with um, carbon monoxide and he, knowing that um, this was going to be the end, he went out with a bang. Uh, and, you know, I mean, let's face it. I mean, you know, self-pleasure, douchebag, porno, in the shower... 
cross-legged, deceased, no, no hint of what had happened in terms of within close proximity of this person, but mm. he, was, he was deceased. Now, that's my take. I believe that some people perhaps... It was all organised. This is just a theory um, because it was a, sort of an open case. Right. So uh, a couple of questions. I'm not going to... I mean, I could try and figure it out. I'm, not, I'm no sleuth myself. Uh, what was the dildo doing there? With a with a fluid level, and how how, how far was the I'd fluid say level? He'd just been having a pretty good time, right? Okay. Uh, prior to you know, then making his way into the uh, into the shower, was there a noose around his neck or anything? No, or? no, no, no. What did the postmortem say? Fair question. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not sure because in forensics we don't get involved in all that. We we're not the detectives. We're going in there collecting evidence. Presenting it to the court, but I was a, I was a junior uh, police officer, so I didn't sort of get to follow it all through. So, you know, I can't say categorically how he died, mm. but I've just presented to you what I saw. But well, what were the droplets on the roof? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I wasn't involved in the testing of them at the analytical laboratories, but you know, they were a weird colour. So right. my feeling is that it was more than likely. As a result of some gas, but there was it, it wasn't a gas. Um, he didn't have gas in the house. Okay, it was just electricity. So you know, it's it's pretty pretty uh, pretty bizarre. How common was autoerotic asphyxiation in your in your career? Uh, it was very common. Really? Yeah, so mainly you... mainly by my colleagues. No, <laughs> no. Oh look, uh, seeing Paul's mentioned autoeroticism, I was going to spend a whole uh, chapter on that down the track. Sure, but I'll give you a, a teaser. Just a tip, if you will. Yeah. It's a... Uh, okay, this story is pretty, uh, again, pretty, pretty bizarre. Um, you know how we're all sitting here tonight? We're just sort of... We're all, you know, we're just chilling. But the reality is that there are some... I mean, the whole sex thing, it's, it's, it, it drives the world, doesn't it? And so here's a story. This happened on the Upper North Shore in, in an equivalent area, let's say, Turak. I think would be a good analogy. Sure. You know, very, very affluent. So there were two magnificent homes. Again, this story has not been told, I can assure you. So they were good friends, the neighbours, two families, but one of the husbands had fantasised about the, uh, the wife next door. But he kept it to himself, obviously. Then one day, the family next door went on holidays and... What happened was um, the husband living next door that had the fantasy about the wife, he said to his wife, I'm just going to go and check on the house. So he goes over and checks on the house. He doesn't come home. The wife is thinking, well, he's been over there for a fair while. I better go and see what's happening. Innocently, of course. So he or she goes next door and she's walking in the house and it's a big home, it's a mansion walking around and then she goes upstairs and lying on the neighbour's bed is her husband dressed in the neighbour's underwear, deceased, with sperm from arsehole to breakfast. (laughs) And you can quote me on that. Please don't. (laughs) Please don't say those words. So what happened was he'd got a plastic bag, he'd put it over his head and this is like not for press but fuck it, I'll tell you. Who remembers pure and who remembers pure and simple? Remember, yeah. nonstick. Well, in you, you wonder how people hear about these things, but guys used to put a 
a plastic bag over their head and when they're on the vinegar stroke, do we all know what the vinegar stroke is? Okay, well, imagine for the ladies when the guy's about to come and you look at him and he thinks it looks as though he's just had a, uh, like a spoon of vinegar. No one's heard that? Am I the only person that's heard of the vinegar stroke? Anyway, I digress. So, what all, happens all is... ticket proceeds for tonight go towards my fucking therapy. Yeah, anyway. So what happens is, in theory, you put the bag over your head. I've just heard this on the grapevine. And, uh, and just before you, uh, you're about to sort of climax, you occasionally, from what I could gather... In cases that I'd investigated, stop with the caveats. You would, you would spray pure and simple. This is sounding no, it's true. What is it's, pure and simple? What, what no, is no, it? it's not the pure and simple. It's the accelerant used that drives anything inside a, um, you know, a propellant. It's a, it's a gas. Now, obviously, you're not going to spray Pebo or Mortine. You know, because that's a bit fucked up. So you use... Pure yeah, yeah. So that, that's the problem yeah. with this. So you use pure and simple. So you fill... You go... Psh, like I wasn't there. And you'd, you'd spray the... Uh, the yeah, and that, that, that accelerant that they don't use now because of the ozone layer would, would drive this sort of... This ma- I just love the idea that people jacking off into, and <laughs> sucking the air out of their head in a bag are like, I mustn't affect the ozone layer. Yeah, look, it's, it's pretty bad. Occasionally what would happen, and it's happened to some very famous people, <coughs> Michael Hutchins, and um, <laughs> so, you know, these things, you know, these things happen. They're ac- it's accidental death. So right. imagine this poor lady. She's walked in. There's her deceased husband in the underwear um, with, you know, he's, he's blown his wad. And then we get called in. So, you know, we sort of have to... And she's embarrassed because... She left the scene as it was, which is very good of her, because a normal human reaction would be to conceal what had happened. Yeah. I mean, she still then got the husband in the bed. She'd have to take the clothing off, um, redress him. I mean, what would she do? How would she get him back to her? It's fucked up. So we get called in and, um, yeah, so that, that was a very common occurrence, autoeroticism. But you had to sort of differentiate between autoeroticism and suicide. You with me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because suicides, suicides, is it? Is it? Well, that's not. That's suicide. Is where you. Well, you, we know what suicide is, um, as opposed to accidental death. Sure. So that's a bit of an autoeroticism story. Any other? Um, we'll just sort of. We'll talk about that. We can. Yeah, there'll be a whole episode of gross stuff. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.